When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Max Rushton. Yes, Max, uh, in for Andy once again this afternoon. Um, well, we uh, we talked cricket tees. That wasn't the main thrust of the whole show. But we did talk about that because it's got a bit of a reprieve down in Sussex if you followed that story last week. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but it's all fairly self-contained, isn't it? It is. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, yes, you took Croy for Binny to the next level. I mean, there were, I don't know how many levels there are, but it really was. Sideways. I didn't really move it on to the next level. Was it, what, it was sort of Harry Winks pass. Yeah, of, uh, it was. It was, yeah, it, was square, it was a square ball. Um, and we also spoke to Jamie Roberts, the former Wales and Lions centre and doctor, who told us about the time he fractured his skull in a game and played on. It was a quite shocking, rather too graphic story at times, if you're having, a, if you're having your tea at the moment. And um, we had a bit of a chat about various things, the weekend's football and stuff, didn't we? We did have a chat, yeah. and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, that's it. Here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Max. Yeah, good afternoon. And before we get on to, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on uh, Chelsea nil, Tottenham nil. Yeah, I was, uh, I was na- contacting Andy throughout. We had a constant dialogue going. <laughs> nail biter. Say, watching the match, actually. Simon Jordan, and I, you may have mentioned this before, oh, yeah. he leaves quite the aroma, doesn't he's, he? He's quite fragrant, he's isn't very he? very fragrant. And I, I'm, I'm not really an aftershave type yeah. of guy. I use deodorant, you'll be pleased to know, yeah. Paul. Um, but yeah, it's quite extraordinary. It's sort of, it's it's ebbing away now, but mm. for the first sort of few minutes. It's nice, isn't it? It's it's not it's not from the super drug bargain bin either. It's, I, I mean, it's, it is. You wouldn't get much change out of 200 quid a bottle, well, I wouldn't think I remember, so. By um, osmosis, I mean, you are smelling, you'll go home, <laughs> you'll go home tonight and the missus will go, wow, you smell nice. This is the most expensive I've ever smelled. Yeah. <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting Simon Jordan. What's the most s- expensive? <laughs> oh, wait, no, we're not going to bother with that I one. did once do, you yeah. You know, uh, footballers you've smelt. I think it was after yeah. Ryan Shawcross went said that Diego Costa was smelly. You know, during a after an altercation, sort of held his nose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember someone texting in saying I was I was at a business I was going to a business meeting in, in Milan, and I was sat in a cafe and Alessandro Del Piero came in and his aftershave was so strong I got a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> Not to miss the meeting. Drifting in and out of consciousness. <laughs> I uh, there's uh, an old, I've, I've mentioned this before, but David Platt said that uh, after the third place playoff game at Italia 90, mm. he swapped shirts with um, Franco Brazi. And of course, it had gone to penalties. It had been quite a long game, this. He, he swapped shirts with Franco Brazi, and, and, and Brazi's shirt still smelt of Aramis. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the Italian heat after a full game of football. It's great, it's and it could still it? smell. There's just a hint of Aramis about it. So, how did you find that then? That game yesterday. I mean, it was. It was I mean, it was. It was, it was like a game of chess, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, I, it was. It was interesting. I mean, the, the stat from Dave Kidd today wasn't at all surprising. I, I don't know if you saw this uh, between the. Um, I think it was the 15th and the 81st minute. Um, they didn't produce a single shot on target. And really, if you think back, it's the Aurier shot, the Mount shot, a couple of missed headers, uh, the one that Bergwijn put over the bar, and that was it. The rest yeah. of it was a game of chess played in the mid. It was like uh, I'd watched the Queen's Gambit last week, which is brilliant telly. If, any, if anybody's got the chance. Have you seen it I'm, I'm halfway through, oh, yeah. It's it fantastic. Great, it's, it? And it's brilliantly done. It was more exciting than that game. Um, well, it, 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 it did feel like that. I was going to start reading about this game in books. <laughs> Did you think at the end, Joe Roden and Kurt Zuma <clears throat> thought, we should really, we should let them have one goal. <laughs> yeah. Watch this torture. Let's have one goal. I thought Roden played really Did well. He, yeah. he, had he? T- he was, I love the fact he said afterwards, I made two mistakes in the game that could have been more costly. Because we know how they were. He lost the ball along mm. up the field. Werner was offside. And then the header, he didn't get enough on. But you've, I mean, when you play football, or something, when a ball pitches like that, it was the worst case scenario. It landed and he thought... It's kind of coming back to me now, so I've got to get power on it. I can't really go anywhere else with it. He was thinking if he ends it left, there could be someone mm. bombing down the left wing. It was a difficult call for him. Yeah. And I mean, that wasn't the right thing to do. No, it wasn't. No, it, look, it wasn't the right thing to do, but in that split second, he had decided he was going to hit it back with the keeper, but he was he was hoping for a better bounce. But I, yeah, I haven't watched him play before, and I just thought he had real poise yeah. and, and looked, looked Well, I saw John Hartson. He was in with Jim a few weeks ago on the day they signed him, and John was really talking him up mm. and said and he's a really... He's, he said he's great business for you yeah. for that money. He's really good. And Ellis James, big Swansea fan, you know, yeah. big Wales fan, was very upset when he left. As a Spurs fan, as a you know, diehard Spurs mm. fan, to differentiate the two of us, <laughs> would you... Obviously, you know, it's not necessarily the Tottenham way, yeah. but I was sort of thinking, you've tried lots of other ways in the, <laughs> in the last 60 well, look, years or whatever. It, Give it a go it for a year or two. It is what it is. We've got a, a coach who's got that approach. We knew that was the kind of football that uh, that he wanted to play. And there is a kind of, I mean, I never thought I'd say this, but there is a kind of beauty in it, really, in its own way. It feels so odd. I've never really watched Tottenham play for. I've never Tottenham have never been dogged. They've never been hard to beat. Oh. They've always been, you know, I was waiting for a last-minute Goal was waiting for Giroud to loft over Larice's head and stick it in the net. So, did you enjoy any of it? Um, well, it wasn't. I mean, I, it wasn't one for the neutral. I don't <laughs> think it was particularly good for Chelsea or Tottenham. You have to question what was the point of <laughs> it, really. It wasn't great if you had any skin in the game because it was so tense. Yeah. And it wasn't particularly good from a distance, was it, really? No, I found it quite nerve wracking, generally. And uh, now yeah. I've shown you this clip <clears throat> from Malta, haven't I? Yeah. This power cut that hit several parts of Malta uh, disrupted a number of games from their national league. You might have seen it on mm. social media. None more so than Marsa FC, uh, who saw their hopes of scoring a third goal shattered by a sudden blackout at the Centenary yeah. Stadium. Their nickname, Marsa FC, is quite confusingly the Red Blues. Uh, anyway, they, they were 2 0 up <laughs> Come against... on, you Red Blues. <laughs> Come on, you Red, red Blues. Slash blues. <laughs> they were 2 0 up against St Andrews. They got a penalty. As their player hit hits the penalty yeah. the lights go out I thought it was it's almost like he triggered the lights going out with his <laughs> yeah. contact on the ball it's amazing I don't know we don't know if the ball went in or not no. um, and I actually thought it was someone had mocked it up for cameras I thought they went let's you know want to mess about on social media but yeah the ref abandoned the game because yeah. the lights didn't come on 62 minutes in and they, they uh, in accordance with the rules they have to resume at a later date Right. what I don't know is does do he they... still have to run up for that penalty <laughs> well, in I the same way I don't know does the ball have to be in mid air yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> I got no know. idea.
But I thought we could do, you know, power cuts. When, a, you know, a power well, it cut... It sounds like a, crucial... a rich scene to me. Um, <laughs> are you, are you well, not convinced? So, were you... Th- uh, opportune and inopportune power cuts, Absolutely. I suppose. Because there, there is a difference, isn't there, really? There might be a moment you think, blimey, I was so, just about to do a presentation that I hadn't quite worked out and... Off yeah. went all the power. It doesn't have to be sport. It, you no, know, it doesn't. May, we may not get many, but they might be good. During the 20, good, yeah. 2010 World Cup, I was in Belize watching England v. the United States in yeah. Belize. Oh. And Clint Dempsey took it. England well, you, won you were out up. there performing for the troops. What were you in Belize for? <laughs> I was, yeah. Well, the next Vera Lynn. Lynn. Playing <laughs> 70s covers. <laughs> the next this Vera. one's by the Doolies. I'm Max Russian. I've had a great night. Hello. Hello. Yeah, be good Support our troops. Go and play, and play, for, the, yeah, play for the squad. <laughs> exactly. There, Thank you, you for nice. your service. Yeah. Um, I, no, I was just there with a backpack. Being the, the weird oh, old okay. guy in the hostel. But, uh, um, yeah. We went one the up. Gerard yeah. put us one up, didn't he? First game of the World Cup, and I was in this bar. There's not very many. There's a lot of Americans there. One, a lot of old Americans who all look like Gene Hackman, who I presume yeah. had <laughs> murdered someone and had to emigrate to Belize. Yeah. Anyway, Clint Dempsey takes that shot, and it's rolling towards World Cup. It's an electrical storm. Mm. And then the, the whole screen just went dead for about two minutes. It came back and it said 1-1, one, one, and we were like, well, it can't be. It can't be 1-1, one, one because that shot was hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> and then we saw a replay about 10 minutes later. We went, oh, there we go. So there's my, there's okay, my that's input. That's a great. I haven't got a power, power cut, cut story. Okay. I don't, don't have a power cut story. Well or badly for what we're going to get. I've uh, got some other stuff to run past. I'll just, just do this very quickly. Um, Cher was in the papers today. And oh, yes, uh, she I was like in this. Pakistan. She's basically saving the elephants. It's a lovely, laudable story, and, we, and we're gr- glad she is. But the, the first paragraph told the story of what she's been doing in Pakistan to save the elephants and then of course uh, they just said share so you have to qualify who share is for people that don't know anybody who's been in the Rip Van Winkle situation (laughs) as Glenn would probably call it so in the second paragraph in the tabloid styly the son says the I got you babe singer share 74 (laughs) so that's the way you do it you have to say something they're famous for yeah okay um, possibly their name as well and their age right so I'm interested to know from the listeners this afternoon if they were being described in a kind of tabloid one sentence how would the tabloid <laughs> introduce them uh, so what we're just going to need from you is in this style the i got you babe singer share brackets or sorry comma 74 um so if you want to give us your own description we may get it could be a bit like own you know like only connect when you get a kind of really weird intro from victoria Con where they say you, you once went swimming with a dalai Lama. i always think they need an audience in, don't they on that show yeah yeah they sort of die on i feel for they, they, anyway we'll move on the microwave borrower, borrower rushton 41 that kind Kind of That's thing. a good there. Yeah, the okay. microwave borrower Max Rushton. She was 41. she was pick, she was helping the world's loneliest elephant. I know so it's great, well isn't it? <laughs> she sounds like a great children's story, doesn't it? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Hawksby, Max Rushton here on Talksport. Well, uh, we wish uh, Raúl Jiménez a speedy recovery after that clash of heads last night. Of course, the only other byproducts of fans not being in there and watching games without oh. atmosphere which I was doing last night, was that horrible noise. You knew it was a bad one there, straight away. And he he suffered a fractured skull, so we wish him a speedy recovery and a return to the game. Uh, We speak now to uh, a uh, professional sportsman and doctor uh, who also fractured his skull on the uh, field of play, the former Wales and Lions centre. Jamie Roberts uh, joins us. Jamie, good afternoon. Afternoon, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I mean, your story was back in the day when the protocols maybe weren't quite so on point. But that was two thousand eight. We're talking. 
in a game against uh, South Africa. And as uh, a man a couple of years into a medical degree, uh, did you have any idea of what you'd done? Um, yeah, no, so it was against Australia, actually. Oh, Australia, sorry. Yeah, yes. Australia, yeah. And um, you're, you're very right. It was back in the day when, when these concussion protocols hadn't been put in place. Um, and, yeah, yeah, nasty had a collision. You know, doctor and physio came on, did a bit of an assessment on the pitch. I felt I was fine to carry on. But of course, as a sportsman, you're quite keen to carry on playing. And then 10 minutes later, um, just wasn't right then. Just wasn't right on the pitch. Had a bit of a nosebleed, so I hadn't hit my nose. And a bit of a, I could taste kind of cerebrospinal fluid in the back of my throat. Oh, yeah. oh wow. And you yeah, knew yeah, what yeah, it yeah. was because of I your medical knew, background? Yeah, oh. I kind of knew what it was back then. So, but, you know, I'm, that, as I said, that was back in the day when these protocols didn't exist. So I'm, I'm proud now to play a sport that has, that has kind of made sure we're, we're protecting the players and, and looking after the players when it comes to head injuries and concussion. And rugby, rugby is arguably been at the forefront of uh, adapting its rules and um, you know medical care for its players so you know you won't see that happen nowadays yeah. in rugby now any head knock of a player is straight off the pitch you know? yeah and rightly so what what was the assessment then for you at the time was it just can you count to five um yeah it was you know orientation and, and time and place so you know, you're asking the player remember being asked you know who we're playing against what the score is what day of the week it is what you know when in the year are we um, you know, just checking sure as well, and I was fine. I, I hadn't been knocked out. It was just a, a massive knock to the head, and um, you know, those that that decision to play on was was a joint decision between myself and, and obviously the medics. You know, they felt I was I was okay. Um, but as I said, you know, nowadays that will not happen. Those decisions are taken out of players' hands. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, I was I was you know straight to hospital CT scan and had a, a skull fracture through the base of my skull and. You know, I ended up playing six or seven weeks later. I was lucky I didn't need surgery because it wasn't displaced. So, you know, it was a straight crack through the middle. Um, there was no skull displacement as such. And, and you know, it healed like, like any other bone, really. So I was back playing in, in six or seven weeks. Yeah, you went off and played for the Lions, didn't you? Should you have come back with hindsight? You think these days a, a player with a similar injury, Jamie, would come back and play after six weeks? Um, yeah, probably. I, I think, you know, I think the medics... You know, you're dealing with real experienced doctors here, so you know they were comfortable that the, the fracture wasn't displaced. And as I said, it would be like fracturing an arm or a leg. And, and the majority of them, and certainly professional sports people, um, who tend to heal quite quickly because of their because of their you know by the, because of their bodies, I guess. Um, yeah, about playing in six weeks, and you know I was comfortable with that as as with the medics. So you know you trust that decision. But as I said, that you know the protocol. The biggest thing for me is. No way that would happen now in mm. rugby, and, and the changes we've seen, and the, and the growth and, and development in, in concussion protocols has been fantastic in rugby, and it's great to see now those decisions being taken out of players' hands. And, we, and that's the real point, isn't it? We're talking about this because of obviously Raúl Jiménez's injury, but also David Luiz, who stayed on the pitch. Um, and you know, we've heard people say that the player needs to be part of the decision-making process. How important do you think it is that football learns from rugby, and that? Of all the people, the player has absolutely no say in whether they're okay to continue. Well, it has to be. It has to be an objective say, doesn't it? And, and that's why we've got the the HIA protocols. So you come off the pitch and you're you're tested for every kind of facet of um, for, for your brain. Um, I'm trying to make this as simple as possible, but you're, you're tested on the numeracy, your recall, your balance. 
um, and all that, and it's and it's very objective. You know, there's no way you can pass that if you if you're deficient in any way. Um, and so it's not it, that decision is is taken out of the players' hands. It's not as if they're saying, "Yeah, I feel fine to carry on," because you know those tests are there to to make sure we we can identify anything that's wrong. So yeah, I know it's it's interesting that he carried on. Whether he should have been taken off for for, for a protocol, most we see. This is the thing because you know Arsenal. You think would have you know very very good doctors. They've made the on-field assessment following all the new protocols, and they felt he was right to carry on. There's been some pushback on that today, but from people that aren't doctors. I mean, we're saying we can't necessarily trust the players, but we should really be able to trust the medical staff, shouldn't we? Well, no, I'm sure, I'm sure those doctors have, have got it right. There's no doubt about that. They'd be very professional. <laughs> You don't work in the Premier League as a medic unless you're, you know, you're pretty clued up. So um, I'm sure they've come on, they've assessed um, Louise and and are happy for him to carry on playing and happy he didn't show any signs or symptoms of concussion. I mean, this is the thing, any signs or symptoms, um, you're you're immediately removed from the field of play in rugby and you don't return. If there's a question mark, you go off your HIA. So that's where the debate comes in. It's Mm. it's surrounding that question mark and, and that is a subjective assessment from your medics um, and they were obviously happy yesterday that he could carry on playing how, how long does that take because obviously there's not the time pressure if you have a concussion substitution that there is in football at the moment they're going to trial concussion substitutions in, in the FA Cup yeah. aren't they hmm. but but presumably you might need more time and, it, and if, if the medic doesn't have the pressure of going he's okay to continue or not David Luiz could come off the pitch and then it could take 5, 10, 15 minutes whatever and come back on if football copied the way of rugby yeah that, that's the thing I think the concussion protocol is, is 10 minutes in rugby that, that might be wrong so don't quote me on that I'm not completely sure exactly um, but yeah there's, there's there's no pressure of, of speed in the in the change room I've had quite a few in my career and you go in you know you're very relaxed you make sure you take your time and, and if you're not right you do not return to the field of play if you pass all your protocols and, and both player and medic are comfortable more importantly that the medics are comfortable with you going back to playing you're allowed to return to the field of play so there's no there's no time pressure as such in rugby but I think there is a is a, a I think it's 10 or 15 minutes if you don't mm. come back within that you, you can't come back home you know what was it like coming back when you did play again? Is it, is it at the back of your mind when you've had an injury like that, Jamie? Oh, of course it is. Um, you feel a little bit apprehensive, but you know rugby's a collision sport, so you need to be in the right state of mind to go back to the pitch, um, knowing full well you might suffer a similar collision again. That's that's the nature of the sport. And you know, seeing that injury yesterday, that that was a footballing injury. You know, mm. two players going up for a header in a penalty box. It, it's almost impossible to mitigate against that in a game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's 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 challenging. Certainly, the first few games back, you're a little bit apprehensive. But you know, as professional sports people, you kind of desperate to get back playing and uh, and straighten stuff. So, you jump straight straight back into it. Interesting. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks very much. Nice. Cheers, guys. Jamie Roberts, there, the former Wales and Lions centre, and of course qualified doctor. So he was two years in to his uh, medical degree so he I mean that's a brain fluid at the back of his throat he said I knew he said I knew what that salty taste was because we'd been told about it at medical school but it's just so important you know to 
In fact, my, my Twitter bio picture is me with blood streaming out of my nose during a cup final, mm. where I basically was concussed, and I went off. It was rolling subs, and I remember bringing myself on with five minutes left, and I didn't know where I was. Right. And after the game, having a beer and thinking, I don't know where, you know, I, I don't feel right. And, and you know, that's an amateur level where it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I was... I mean, hopefully think that I'm smart enough to make those decisions, and I wasn't, you no. know, and it's just, a, you know, players should not, there's enough money, certainly the Premier League, for there to be an independent doctor, you know, yeah. they have it at boxing, don't well, they? Well, I think that's what they do, you know, but you're right, the player shouldn't be anywhere near a call like that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. We're going to give you a Cruyff or Binny yes. shortly. But before we do, I don't know if you saw this. This is, a, uh, this is the Danish Mayfly. Right. Um, despite having an adult life of only a few days, we were told, enjoyed 15 minutes of fame, a scientist named it Insect of the Year. Oh, congratulations. So, but the only trouble is they tried to, they wanted uh, a, may, uh, a Danish mayfly to go along and collect it. And, uh, and the, the mayfly said, well, what night is it? Said, it was Wednesday. Ah, oh, can't make Wednesday. Well, why is that? Well, I'll be dead by then. <laughs> so, uh, was, the, was, the, was there a very disappointed bring, bee in the audience? <laughs> bring it forward a day earlier. <laughs> well, I'll probably be dead by then as well. So, uh, I mean, just, yeah. That I'm, split screen of the insects and the dragonfly just going, oh, yes, round of applause. Just that moment. That, that, really that's, yeah, that kind of, putting on that, that face when you've lost an award. Yeah, that's Obviously, uh, um, uh, in, uh, we used to ask footballers, uh, what's your favourite insect on Footballers Are Nice? You did, yeah, yeah. that imagine Manuel Frimpong chose the antelope. <laughs> that was a corker. Now, I promised yeah. to bring this show into the gutter. And yeah. You're a, a tougher audience than Andy with a vignette. You know, you're, you, you just have a higher quality oh, yeah. threshold, I believe. Okay. Um, so I feel, I'm feeling nervous about mm. this one, but it's page 16 of the Daily Mirror. Okay. It's a question for you, Paul. 
Fans of which club yeah. are most likely to turn down action in the bedroom after their team loses a match, according to a poll? Wow, which team's, worse. which team's libido is drops for a week or more following a defeat, would you suggest? I mean, looking at uh, AF uh, Arsenal fan TV, possibly the goons, maybe. I mean, that, that, they didn't look particularly amorous at the end of that game last no, the, night. The one Robbie on the back, and the boys. The one on the back right. He yeah. didn't seem He was he didn't not. Seem I, don't think, I don't think it was uh, chocolates and flowers for him straight after that uh, match. One no. in ten supporters of Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough. Really? Said the that, Borough fans. Yeah, the Borough fans. If they oh, lose, they're not interested. Who do you think are the least bothered? The, uh, I don't know, Andy's mob, Chelsea. Nottingham Forest. Oh, OK. There we are. There we are. That sounds like a really scientific... I won't say who's done the survey. No, don't give them the oxygen of publicity because no. it's uh. nonsense. Anyway, <laughs> should we have Cruyff or Binny? Should we have a new Yeah, yeah. Oh, equivalent? I'm desperate to play, yeah. Yeah, OK. Oh, we want to bring that to you today. We did this last week. It was this time last week, wasn't it? On Monday, we, we, we launched it with Johan Cruyff versus Fred Binney. The Who knew it would grow? Who knew it would become the success story that it has? Absolutely. I remember where I was the we, day I was we, here. We take two um, footballers uh, in-focus questionnaires from Shoot Magazine from back in the day, and it's Max's job or mine on alternate days to... And you can play along at home. Absolutely. You'll make a judgment based mm. on the two players we're about to announce. And you have to tell who gave this answer to uh, Shoot Magazine back in the day. So, um, we lost the great Diego Maradona last week, of course. Uh, On the same day, I think it was the 15th anniversary of the passing of the the brilliant George Best. And amongst all the Fred Binneys, etc., of this world, they did sometimes collar the greats in shoot, and that included uh, Bestie, as well as Pele. So I'm going to give you the questions that were set to George Best and the ones that were set to Pele. And I'd like you to tell me uh, who gave the answer best... Or Pele. Best so we're, or in, Pelé. we're okay. in the company of, of, the, of the footballing gods now. Marvellous. So I'll kick you off with an easy one, like I always do. Um, who was born in Belfast? <laughs> Could you give me the options again, yeah, please? It's Paul? Best or Pele. I'm, I'm looking to go this for afternoon. Best. It is uh, best. I like the fact you've put a tick there. <laughs> I, I have put a tick that. there. Yeah, but Pele was. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was it? Trey Coracoes in uh, uh, in Brazil, but I don't right. need to tell you that. Uh, next up, who was driving a Merc at this stage? Who was behind the wheel of a Mercedes motor car? Was it Georgie Best or the great? I think I'm going to say George Best again. You're going to go... OK, well, you probably haven't seen a lot of great old photographs, uh, possibly old sort of Terry O'Neill photographs of Bestie, because I think he was behind the wheel of the E-Type. Oh, was he, he, was was he wonderful a pictures of him oh, with an E-Type jag back in the day. Lovely. My age is really affecting me. This is really playing against shot. me today. Pelé was in the Merc. Right. Uh, so, unfortunately, got that one wrong. Oh, I do apologise to everybody. Whose favourite player, uh, uh, Bestie or Pelé, was Alfredo Di Stefano, the former Real Madrid star? Uh, whose favourite player was that? Was that George Best or was that Pele's favourite player? Talk, listeners at home can play along. I feel, I suddenly feel under huge pressure here. Really? Well, I wouldn't um, worry about it. Well, you know, there's no money involved or um, I think, reputation. I mean, I it's think just a bit I'm, of fun. I think I'm going to say Pele. Pele's favourite uh, player, uh, actually. And this is great for him. Uh, Alan it? Mullery. Oh, Alan Mu- well Mullers was it? Was his? Yeah. What about that's amazing. Actually, no, it wasn't. That was his most difficult opponent. Oh, I think okay. I've just blown that. Oh. So that's a question I'm going to have to take out. Oh, his right. favourite player was Bobby Moore. Oh, okay. Bobby Moore. They oh, were that's a great story. friends, of course. Yeah. But uh, wasn't Fred anyway, Binney. So that would have been really good. Forget I said Binney. Alan Mullery. Yeah, I will do. Yeah. So you you were wrong there. Mm. Um, whose favourite food 
was Chinese. Who favoured a Chinese when they went out for a night? Uh, George, George Best. Best wasn't it? Do you think it would have been? Why did you say it like that? I don't know. Urbane cosmopolitan <laughs> palace, spent most of his time travelling around the world. Why wouldn't you like the Chinese? I just don't Lived think in New York, I, in I Chinatown there. George Best is a chicken chow mein man. Okay, um, well, you are right. Um, oh, finally. Pele's uh, favourite food was steak and chicken. Oh, okay. A bit meat heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'm a sure chicken he had, chaser. Too. sure he had a couple mm. of sides with it. I hope so. Um, who was the taller of this? This is a slightly different approach. I'm, I'm kind of breaking protocol. But who was the taller of the two men? At five foot ten and a half. Who would you have said was taller out of Pele and George Best? Five ten and a half is... Uh, now, I have had a photo with Pele. Oh, wow, OK. Uh, much to the chagrin of Moose, who's very <laughs> yeah, upset about it. Yeah, of hasn't got one. Um, when I wished my great friend a happy birthday the other day. <laughs> and he was a tiny bit... Obviously, he may have shrunk a little bit with age, but I think Pele is five ten and a half. You're spot on, yeah. Um, George Best, five eight and a half. Mm, um, so. Most difficult opponent, and just forget that I said I will, Alan. Whose completely... most difficult opponent was Alan Mullery? Was it George Best or was it uh, Pele? You know, Pele. You are. You're yeah. absolutely yeah. right. Uh, Did he have to mark him? That's a strange tactical decision well, by whoever yeah, was managing must go at the back time. to the old 70 World Cup again, I suppose. That most difficult opponent, none, said Bestie. No, <sighs> nobody nobody phased the great George Best, at, at, certainly at that stage. Favourite singer. Whose favourite singer was Lulu? Was it George Best or was it uh, Pele? Right. In my mind, George Best... <laughs> was in lots of photos with the Lulu. I mean, it's not my era. I don't remember that photo. Do you not? Okay. No, I think you're making that up, okay. because after I said the E-type jag, but it could be right. <laughs> right I'm, going, I'm going George Best. You're right, too. Yeah. He also was a big fan of Tom Jones. Okay. Um, Favourite singers, Nat King Cole and Ella Fitzgerald uh, for... A bit uh, of class Pelly. there. A bit of class. Uh, best friend. Um, who's, uh, who's, um, <laughs> whose best friend was Frank Sinatra? What? I know. <laughs> it's right. a bit like, uh, well, I know that Pele's best friend is Mick Hucknall. Uh, I told you that story. You were there. Oh, yes. You were there? That's, I think Do I we have time for the, We don't have time for the Mick Hucknall not, Pele not, anecdote. Not I'm back tomorrow. Okay, so maybe. Yeah, okay. We'll do tomorrow, it. Yeah. Mick Hucknall and Pele. Um, well, if Pele's best friend is Mick Hucknall, I'll say George Best. Frank Sinatra and George Best, as far as I know, weren't great friends. Oh. Um, I think uh, the best friend, my bank manager, said best. Oh, really? Um, but Sinatra and Pele were great friends. He said, I have many best friends, but the one you would probably know best is Frank Sinatra. Well, how fickle of Pele to move from Sinatra to Hucknall so yeah, quickly. that's true. It didn't take much more on that later. I don't think I'm playing very well. What about score have I got? Um, you've got one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Is that right? Uh, yeah, you know you haven't done bad. Oh, okay, I've okay. done too bad actually, as Alan once said. <laughs> I've written now. Oh, yeah, um, uh, ambition. Whose uh, personal ambition? Yes. Um, was to do well in the next World Cup. Was that George Best or was that Pele? Whose personal ambition was it to do well in the next World Cup? And these questions were set. Toughy that, isn't it? This is a toughy that. Yeah. Pele done pretty well in the World Cup before, mm. hasn't he? Yeah. Go on then, Best. You're right. Sadly, George Best never played in the World Cup for Northern Ireland, but um, but uh, that's what he wanted to do, and uh, I think it would have been would have been marvellous. And finally, mm -hmm. uh, which person in the world would you most like to meet? Who said Chairman Mao? <laughs> 
Was it um, Pele like, or George Best? It's like Damien Delaney's dinner party. You must have done Damien Delaney's dinner party. No, Did you I, that? Oh, no. I didn't, I'll, I'll is that a that game? Building. Or is that another story? <laughs> I'll, I'll read it out well, just to you Basically, the these the are show. all little springboards for your after-dinner set, aren't <laughs> they, they are. really? Mick Hucknall and Pele. Damien Delaney's dinner Who wanted dinner to meet Chairman Mao? Pele or Bestie? Pele. What do you think, TalkSport listeners? Shout at the radio. Yeah, well done, it was Pele. Uh, Bestie wanted to meet uh, Bridget Bardot or Cassius Clay, as he was then. So there we are. Um, there, there was, uh, and how did you do? One, two. I think you won. I think you, you got more right than wrong. So maybe I, that wasn't uh, as difficult. Here we are. Damien Daly's fantasy dinner party in the Crystal Palace programme. Yeah. He wanted to have dinner with Keith Richards, who's doing a lot of heavy lifting with the fun. Yeah. Joseph Stalin, Genghis Khan, Chairman Mao and Napoleon. <laughs> It's interesting, Keith's a bit of an outlier there, isn't he? You can Play see, us another one, Keith. You can I want to talk about the mass pattern. murder again. You, yeah. you can see the pattern there, apart from like Keith sitting at the end of the table just twanging away, looking a bit bored. I'm not a big eater, so I'm, uh, I'll just have a drink. I don't know why he sounds so camp all of a sudden, Keith. There is a bit of that, though, isn't there, going bit. on. Anyway, I'm no late great John Sessions, really, when it comes to Keith impressions. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Now, you may recall last week there was a bit of a storm um, around cricket tees. Uh, a league down in, uh, I think it was West Sussex, decided that they were going to give their teams the option, they were going to vote on the option to not supply tees, one or two teams, maybe because of what's been going on and teams a bit hard-pressed financially. It was a get-out. But um, there was a few that, that felt it was a good call. They didn't want any part of it. But there are others who are up in arms. Up in arms. They want to They want to retain the, the tradition of the cricket tea. That included the Horsted Keynes Horseman T20 side. And joining us now uh, from the team uh, is uh, Ollie Wright. Good afternoon, Ollie. Good afternoon, gentlemen. It sounds like, I mean, you really put your back, not for you like sort of curly old uh, supermarket sarnies. You've been working on a new pavlova for the next time you do a tea. So you take it seriously. Well, you know, for us as a club, teas are an integral part of the game. It's an English tradition. Up there, we're talking about the weather and crashing out of football tournaments on penalties. So <laughs> having, a, having a strong tea, is, for many of us, I mean, not all of our players are superstars. Some average sort of 68 in the batting. But some just turn up just for the teas. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of crowds come uh, from the village to come and sort of have a cup of tea, enjoy our cakes. Um, and we, we like to think it's an, it's an integral part of the afternoon. So we're quite pleased that the league has listened and uh, realised that, obviously, we appreciate the, the work they're doing at the moment. And in these uncertain times with COVID, obviously having to have an AGM over Zoom was not ideal. And we, we really welcome the... The rerun of the vote, if you, if you like. So, yeah. so if I'm an opposition player and I've, you know, I've, I've got 25 not out, I'm pretty happy with myself. I've still got my pads on because I've carried my bat and I've got my paper plate in front of me. What, what am I going to get on my plate when I come to you? Well, first, first of all, we'll be horrified at, at giving you a paper plate. It'll oh, be a I see. Large Bone china. Plate. Wow, marvellous. Um, okay. But you'd, you'd have a selection of, of sandwiches, possibly carnation chicken, uh, some smoked salmon, maybe oh, wow. uh, ham, ham and mustard, roast mm-hmm. beef, mm-hmm. the cheese and onion, the egg. Um, and then a, a selection of sort of, of uh, pork pies, Scotch eggs, substantial meals, if you like, in that bit, um, the odd little cocktail sausage, and then following up with at least three sorts of cake, biscuits. <laughs> of course, the cake would normally be homemade, and of course, games and jams. So. Wow, that'll slow you down in the final session. Tremendous, won't it? The um, the uh, one or two clubs, uh, Forest Row, another team I believe in the area, they said we think it'll encourage new players not having teas. Uh, For too long, cricket has the stigma, stigma they're calling it, of cucumber sandwiches and a little bit of cricket. But uh, you don't see it like that, clearly. 
No, I, I, there's, there's room for there's, there's room for everyone's view in this. Um, mm. You know, a lot of a lot of the things that have been pointed out have been cost. Um, you know, some of the bigger clubs. We're, we're quite a small club. We've only got sort of 40 active playing members. Um, some of the bigger clubs rely heavily on their bars um, to fund them throughout the season. Of course, with everything that's happened this year, their funds are down. But it's a chance to look at different funding streams. And we're actually, what's the stigma, what's the sort of stigma and it's being an old man sort of thing? We're actually a very young club. We've got one of the youngest committees in the league. Um, only two of our committee are, uh, are over 35. So it, it, it just goes to show, I think, the trouble is, what, where, where the issue is, a lot of these clubs, is people are not willing to give their time away from the game. They turn up, want to bat, want to bowl, mm. not contribute to the club. Um, we have a we have a saying at the club, um, made famous by the great Nelson Mandela, that there can be no greater gift than that of giving one's time and energy to help others without expecting anything in return. Oh. And unfortunately, and he had in mind the cricket team. <laughs> I think he, he did. I think he, he had in thinking... mind the cricket team when he said it. He liked his cricket. <laughs> he, liked, he liked his cricket a lot. So, yeah. you know, the great, the great Nelson says, you know, it's a point about volunteering and giving your time. And we've had to position the club. We were in a very bad place yeah. three or four years ago as a club. We brought a lot of youngsters in, got them involved from the, from the bottom up, and also reached out to our community. We do a huge amount in the community now. With um, We do a lot of work with the preschool in the village. As I said, you know, where we are in the village is right in the heart. The pub backs onto it. So we, we try to encourage the whole village to get involved. Um, mm. We're currently running a raffle. So if any of your listeners would like to get some raffle tickets, check us out on social media. Wow. Um, our pleasure will be pleased to have plugged that. Um, yeah. But yes, it, it's really important. And some of these clubs, I think, are alienating their supporters. Um, they're also saying that it's, it's very sexist and, and it's all down to the wives and girlfriends to make the tea. Um, that isn't the case at Horsted. We have a, a rotor of players uh, to take part. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think only two of our only two of our players have got a wife and a girlfriend. Um, so it, it's either it's either or normally for us. Well, look, it's it's been good to talk to you, Ollie. Uh, keep up the good work. I, obviously, I take it you want it to be reciprocal because you put on a good spread. You Absolutely, expect one yeah. back. You know, you don't want to turn up and they've done nothing for you. But look, uh, best of luck uh, when you get Thank playing. Again, thanks for joining thanks. us. Thanks, Ollie. Don't, don't take my word. Come and join us next year and have a bit of our tea. Come down and join we'll come us down for a tea and, a, and a have a knock as well. Yeah. That's yeah. a very good point about the number of volunteers in amateur sport. Like you've been involved with, you yeah. know, your boys play for Winchmore Hill. I play for the Poly and the Southern Amateur. Again, a lot of people do a lot of work for no money to yeah, make those things happen and. You know, I think it's it's like it's a case of either or. No one's being force fed. Yeah. Like, it's not like well, it's not no, like exactly. Monsieur Crieso or you know those custard creams that come to well, life. Well, if all in these teams Einstein. that don't want a cricket tea, as long as they don't rock up at, uh, at uh, Horsted there and get stuck into the pavlova until it's all running down their chin, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but it's not a new thing. In reply to the story about it last week, Rodney E. Stock, a past president of Bishop Stortford Cricket Club, mm-hmm. wrote to the Times, right, and he said, "Sir, the minutes of Bishop Stortford Cricket Club for March 2000." 14 <laughs> record the suggestion for consideration by the committee of the desirability of abandoning the modern and effeminate custom of leaving off play for an adjournment for tea. This is 1914. The committee unanimously were in agreement and decided that in future tea would be available on match days but play would not stop for the same. So they were oh. quite renegade there. It's hard to have tea and play at the same time. You've got, <laughs> so a, you've got yeah, a plate of sausage rolls you're going to catch one at <laughs> mid-off. Yeah, I suppose if, yeah, if you're it's not too bad you have a sausage roll in one hand and that's the mark of a great fielder, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Really? You don't want to stand up to the medium paces yeah. while holding a Scotch egg. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Max and I are back tomorrow from one. We will be joined by Sir Jeff Hurst. They have colourised the 66 World Cup done by the same people 
who did the fantastic uh, Peter Jackson film from the First World War. So it's in great hands. Uh, we'll tell you more about that uh, tomorrow, amongst other things. Have a good evening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 